President's Day Denver, sitting in today for Stokely and Zach, here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Judge, whoever let the first-time head coach slash first-time play caller. Now, let's be fair. Coach Hackett had called plays before. He wasn't calling plays with the Packers. He did call plays for the Jaguars, I believe, and maybe in Buffalo. Can't remember. But he had called plays before. Now, was there ever a time when you said, Okay, he was calling the plays, and he was one of the bright offensive minds in the league. I don't think so. I don't think that time period existed. But I, I get your point. So it says first-time play caller, first-time offensive coordinator, first-time D.C., and first-time position coaches should be fired in all caps. That's from Rogan Bro. Well, we know who that was. That was George Payton. And he's essentially been – he hasn't been fired yet. He's been demoted. I would be surprised if he's here in another year or two. But there's no question he went from he's been demoted into a more of a complimentary support type role. And as Sean Payton comes in and gets more and more comfortable, he'll have I mean, I, I think Sean Payton pretty much has all the authority now, but it, there'll, there'll be no question when he comes in and has a little success, he'll have more authority. Uh, not all of it, 100% of it. George Payton, from d- <laughs> the day that Coach Hackett was fired, was was put into a uh, more of a subservient role. Where the owners have said, if it's a really, really important position, like hiring or firing the coach, I'm going to take, we're going to do that, and you can help us. You can, you, can, you can line up the phone calls. He's like George Costanza, the assistant to the traveling secretary. Yeah, go ahead. Get them on the horn. Get you know, get the flights booked. Get the people in here. Set up the interviews. You can you can sit in for until <laughs> until the really important ones. You can sit in on the initial interviews. Hey, which is better than they did for Brittany Bolin. Brittany Bolin was supposed to be the new boss of the Denver Broncos, and Joe Ellis was like, "Eh, kid, sorry. I'll talk to you about it later. You don't get to sit in on these." Which is how you knew she wasn't really going to take over the Broncos. But George Payton was at least allowed, as the former GM who hired the last, as the GM that hired the last coach, wasn't even in on some of those final interviews. It was kind of comical. So he hasn't been completely fired yet. Although that's I, I still on the table. It's hard to fire, especially when you just hired a coach. It's hard to fire a GM. What are we six weeks away from the draft? Something like that. It's just easier. To let him, kind of let them get through, and then let you know Sean Payton's got a lot of stuff to do. He's got to hire his coaching staff, get everything in order. You, you need somebody there to fill that role, and it, it's probably just not a top priority for Sean Payton. It, the, George Payton's going to do whatever he's told anyway. Come draft time, <clears throat> make no mistake about it. Who's going to be the lead dog when it comes to that? All right, I think, now we're talking about this defensive coordinator position. So it was interesting. We were kind of, you know, clowning on Paxton Lynch a little bit. I did tune in to basically the end of the game. 
I was at a daddy-daughter dance, so I didn't get to watch the whole game. Not that I would have watched the whole Orlando-Houston XFL game. But I saw, I think it was Mike Kliss tweeted it out, what happened. You know, Paxton Lynch came in, through a touchdown, and then got benched in the XFL. Time to hang it up, kid. But and it says, you know, Wade Phillips is... I think they're the Houston Gamblers. I don't know. Is that what they are, Dante? The, the Houston XFL team? The Houston... Whatever they are. I didn't watch. I don't know. Yeah. Come on, man. What are you not watching the XFL for? Would you have something better to do on a Saturday night, Dante? Uh, yeah, I was here uh, working the Denver University hockey game. Well, there you go. DU hockey is actually a lot more compelling than, yes, the XFL. Whoever the, whoever the Houston team is. But so I, I said, you know, I want to watch this because Wade Phillips... Is, is, is in my mind a Hall of Fame caliber coach. He's actually a better head coach than a lot of people give him credit for. But as a coordinator, just a phenomenal, phenomenal career. They they let go of him. They let go of him here for no reason other than they're like, he, he said. I think they said we don't want to pay him. We're hiring a new coach anyway. Let's just get rid of him. Get rid of that expense. Get rid of that you know the, the personality. We're not going to pay this guy. I think he wanted a million dollars to be a coordinator. And they said, no, thanks, but no thanks. But I, I said, is he just too old to coach to be the defensive coordinator now? Because not only do you have to project for, yeah, it's the Roughnecks. Thank you, guys. It's the Houston Roughnecks. But is he just, is 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 the game slipped him, you know, past him? Is, you know, is, is the day, his best day has gone by? But could he be? I mean, you're bringing back Rex Ryan, who hasn't coached in six years. You're talking about bringing back Vance Joseph. Let's be honest: is Vance Joseph today a better quarterback than Wade Phillips? Uh, excuse me, offensive uh, defensive coordinator, quarterback, defensive coordinator than Wade Phillips? The answer is no. The answer is 100 percent no. So, but so I wanted to watch the end of that game and just take a look and see if he still had it. You know, because you can look at people and, you know, see their fastballs way gone by. I don't know, so I just wanted to look. And to me, he seemed sharp. I was looking at him talk, looking at the way he got around on the sidelines, looking at the way he kind of moved around. And, you know, they did camera shots of him, um, you know, talking to other coaches, and they did, you know, a little post-game interview with them. To me, he seems as sharp as ever. I was talking to Joe Williams last night. See, you know, seems as sharp as ever. So that's what I'm looking for. So if you're really casting this wide net of candidates, and I know he probably can't be your coordinator for four or five years, and when you're Sean Payton, you have to take that into consideration. Like, I'm building for the future. Sean Payton, I'm sure, hopes this is his last NFL head coaching job. He's in his late 50s. He probably wants to do this for 10 years, win a championship or two, and call it a day and go to the Hall of Fame. So maybe it's not attractive from that scenario. But, man, if you want to come back, I know another thing coaches like to do, they like to win right away. Wade Phillips, I think, can help you do that. So I'd be giving him a look. You're giving Rex a look. Giving VJ a look. You're giving guys you've never heard of a look. This is a Hall of Fame caliber defensive coordinator. I'd give him a look. You know who will ask about that? We'll ask James Merlat from denversports.com about it. Come up next. President's Day, Denver. Sitting in today for Stokely and Zach. Here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. 
not just the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs, but the, uh, what's, what's the, well, I'm not going to put this out there. A good, Dante, what do you think is a good adjective for James Merrillat? The, the less esteemed? honorable James Merrillat. <laughs> the less honorable? I, I was going to say, like, the esteemed, you know, that type of thing. But, James, what would you say? Oh, boy, I don't like to give myself an adjective. That's uh, that, that seems like a wrong thing to do. It's like giving yourself a nickname. Nobody wants to be that guy. It happens. It happens a lot. Didn't Kobe nickname himself? I believe he did, but, uh, you know, he he was able to live up to it. So, yeah, you, you better be pretty darn good if you're going to go down that route. Okay, so between the less than honorable and the esteemed, there's got to be something in the middle there that would be good for you. Yeah, of those two, obviously, I would choose esteemed. Uh, that's That sounds a little bit better. How about me. affluent? That's what we always tease you about, the affluent, James Merrillat? <laughs> yeah, no, because we want this to be accurate, so uh, that, that, that can't be the answer. So, I don't know. We'll work on it. Okay, okay. Now, I'm looking at your Twitter. Yeah, I always like to go through your Twitter and see if we can get, you know, what you're riled up about, but I'm looking at this. You share these things. They're funny. This is at Super 70 Sports. They're just fun tweets. Uh, one of them was about, you know, the uh, Wolverines from Calumet, Colorado. I wonder how many of our listeners will actually pick up on that. Um, you should thank them for their service, right? Yes, a little Red Dawn reference. Yes, and then uh, not not like Mark Schlereth Red Dawn, but, no, you know, old original. school. Yeah, the, the good one, the good movie. Um, although Mark was great in his appearance, he, was yeah, he, he, he made the movie and it was unwatchable after that, uh, after his scene. Um, do you think my, did his character make it make it out alive? Do you think Mark Schleier's character in Red Dawn? He was the coach. I've got to admit, I have never seen the uh, the remake. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I've he's, seen the clips. I've seen Mark in it. I know that he was the football coach, but I have not seen the movie. Yeah, I, I don't think it showed him. I could be wrong. I don't think it showed him getting gun, gunned down. Uh, but I would have to think that Mark Schlereth's character, the football coach, would have been the first one to take up arms against. I think in that one it was the Korean, North Koreans or South Korean, right, North yeah. Koreans. Yeah. I, I, but I don't know. Do you think? I, I was just a good question. Does this character make it out alive in that movie? I, well, I, if there's not a scene where he dies, then I guess we have to assume he makes it out. He he, he ran. He tucked tail and ran. He didn't. He didn't go out in a blaze of glory. Well, we didn't. We certainly didn't see it, so yes. I think we can uh, go down that path and, with the assumption we got to. We got to assume he made it. Okay, he, he made it to free America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now the other tweet here is funny. It says Ernie is uh, really fortu- fortunate that Bernie never or Bert, excuse me, because we're talking about Bert and Ernie. It says Ernie is really pretty fortunate that Bert never killed him because you could tell he was contemplating murder about once an episode. You think that's yeah, true? So- that just struck me as funny. I was a Sesame Street guy growing up, a Bert and Ernie guy. I watched it a lot. And then when you're older and you look back on it, you're like, yeah, he was always ticked. Yeah. No, well, he was just angry in general, wasn't he? Yeah, and he was we, we, frustrated by the antics. He was frustrated by everything in life. Do, I, did, do we ever see him smile? I don't think so. I, I, I related to Bert. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. The, Bert's the frustrated one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, so know. is it surprising to anybody that you just said that? I think you're going to, we'll get some, some, some pretty good feedback on that. That James Merrillat is more like Bert than he is Ernie. Well, just kind of frustrated by uh, antics that are going on. And, you know, just don't put up with it. Got to call it out. How about the antics of last night's? I don't know if you even watched it. I tuned in for, I don't even know if I watched for five minutes. When it, when it, when it was just apparent, the NBA All-Star game, in no way, shape, or form was going to pretend to be 
a real competitive. We know it's not competitive, but I mean, it was just like guys just doing trick shots and stupid yeah, things. It's, like it's become I don't ridiculous. Know. It's not even a game. It, it was embarrassing last night. I didn't watch very much of it. I probably watched about as much as you did. Um, it's just not worth tuning in for. I watched the draft. I thought that part of it was kind of interesting and funny. And then once the game started, it, it was apparent that it was going to be ridiculous. So they've tried to to change it and do the the thing at the end with the. Um, the Elam finish, I, be, I believe it's what it's called. That hasn't really worked either. It's just, it's a joke. I, I don't know what the the fix for it is. I did see the idea of uh, USA versus the world. That would make it interesting. Would that would that uh, tap into competitive nature of guys? Maybe. Um, but yeah, last night was just a farce. Now, what did you make of Joker's comments? They were trying to, I think, trying to get to him a little bit. Where you're the MVP? Are you surprised you went number seven? And he said, "No, I wouldn't draft me either. I, I'm not here for this." Yeah, he's he's his game doesn't translate to that nonsense very well. So uh, I don't think he was offended by it at all. I think that's uh, it was exactly where he expected to go. All right, so where do you expect the Nuggets to go from here now that they got through this, whatever the, the all-star thing, festivities are? I, it, you know, we got weird mixed results. I saw Scrappy Will, who's out in a golf course in Florida today. He said, he said something about the, the NBA all-star game is now officially a bigger joke than the Pro Bowl, MLB, and whatever it is the NHL does. And then I, I saw other people said they love the all-star, NBA all-star Saturday night activities. Will wasn't a fan. Where did you come out on that stuff? Uh, the three-point contest is, fun, is is always cool. The, the slam dunk contest has lost its luster. There's only so many things you can do. Um, the fact that it's players that, you know, the stars don't participate in it, that's always kind of a bummer, right? Like, you know, to be nostalgic about it when it used to be Jordan and Dominique and Larry Nance and, you know, it was actually all-stars that were in it. That was, uh, that was much better, but there's only so much you can do. But I, I find the Saturday night uh, pretty entertaining. Um, all of it, to some extent, though, like, Everybody complains about the Pro Bowl and the MLB All-Star Game, and they keep trying things. Like, they've run their course. They're a, they're a vestige of the past when you didn't get to see these guys all the time. They're just not necessary now that we have, you know, a Sunday ticket and MLB League Pass or whatever they are. You, you get to see all these players all the time anyway now, so um, they should just do away with them. Just so you know, we, we did get a couple. These are actually not bad. Uh, you know, you always got to be careful when you throw things out to the texters, but they've kind of done this on their own accord. They said the mercurial Marilat, which is not a bad thing. That's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. I, I take that one. And the other one is, I think you would take it, the opinionated James Marilat. Yes, yes, I, I take that as a compliment. Yeah. Mercurial and, isn't always, uh, <laughs> that's kind of like, you're you're mysterious and weird well, and complicated and well, it's what I said with Jay, with uh, Bones Highland. I said, yeah, the, people were disappointed they only got two second round draft picks or whatever they got for him. And I said, huh? Well, as it turns out, Mercurial, me first, no defense playing <laughs> role are you players. Into that whole, you're you're pinning it all on him. You're just taking the Nuggets narrative. You're, you're like the Nuggets media here, Dan. Just taking the narrative, and it was all his fault. No, just, well, well, it, it's the majority is his fault. I I do believe, particularly with MBJ, I do fall in your camp, and the, the coach has some responsibility. Like I, Malone should have gone in and seen seen if he could have fixed that. Right? Yeah. Malone's yeah. too old school, and then he's going to be like he's one of those old coaches. Like, ah, screw it. You know, is is. Like, dude, you have it. It's hard in NBA in Denver in the NBA. Guys don't want to stay here. Guys don't want to be here. When you have good young talent, you should do everything you can to retain that talent and work with it. And Bones Highlands was saying, "Hey, man, if they would, I don't believe him to a hundred percent." But when he, you know, a few days ago, when he says, "Hey, 
I didn't have a problem with anything other than the communication from the coaching. Like, if, I think Malone could have done more to sit him down and go, hey, man, we're in a bad spot here. Look, here's what I need from you. Here's what, And I know you want to play. I know you want minutes, but I got to get this from you first. It doesn't sound like that happened, and it sounds like Malone just goes overboard. The MPJ thing continues to be a joke because nobody plays defense on this team. Um, and it's a little bit with Bones as well, but... I, I don't give – I'm not giving Bones a free pass. He, he, I'm not either. He, he deserves he, plenty of the blame, and there's no majority. excuse for, for leaving the bench and leaving the, the arena. I mean, that's that's unacceptable, but I do think Malone deserves some of the blame when there was no communication, at least if you believe Bones, that, um, you know, I think you try to exhaust all your options and try to communicate with him, try to get him to buy in, try to get him to understand, and then if he doesn't, so be it, but it doesn't sound like that happened, and that's my problem with it. All right. Um Real quick, we'll do this one. Benjamin Button, James Merlack, because I can't believe he's 50. That's a compliment, James. I'll take that compliment. You don't look 50. You don't even look 40. You look- I'm, not, I'm, almost, I'm not quite 50. I'm 49, but it's close enough. It's, Dude, I, uh, I it's, painted it's you right as, out the front window. I painted you as 50 like a year ago, man. I'm know, going with it, man. You're 50. I'm leaning into it. 30 didn't bother me at all. 40 was fine. 50, it's like, man. That's a you're, you're past halftime at 50. That's, uh, that's a tough one. Yes, yes. It's, uh, yeah, well, you know. Regenerative technology, we're all, you know, medicine, we're, we're going well. Teflon James is what they're saying, James. Well, I like the fact that they are, are you know, tapping into the Teflon thing. Uh, I don't believe I'm Teflon. I mean, I'm, I'm accountable. If, if, if I'm if No, I'm wrong, well, we I'll, talked I'll about it. it on Saturday. You, 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 you're Teflon. You know, everything just bounces off you. Every time you're wrong about something, you just say, no, I wasn't wrong. My analysis wasn't wrong. I just no, have new information. That's not true at all. I have I, new I, information. I Jared Bednar is an example. I've, I've leaned into that, that I questioned whether or not he, he was the right coach to get the abs over the hump. And, you know, could, could he get out of the second round? And he proved me wrong last year. And it was great. I, I had no issue with that at all. And I hope Michael Malone does the same thing this year. I'll, if, when I'm wrong, I will own it, accept it, and, um, and deal with it. I don't, I don't believe I try to move the goal. You post. just keep saying, well, I, I brought up Kadri. I brought up um, you know, some of these other things on Saturday. And you're like, I just have new information, Dan. I wasn't wrong. I just have I'm new information. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, uh, it's cognitive dissonance, right? If you, if you get new information and you continue to insist you're right, even though there's evidence to suggest otherwise, well, no. that's not a good Some thing. of these things, you're just wrong. I'm willing to You were just to wrong. Like, like on Kadri, you were just wrong. And then you, you know, you, 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 you're not sticking to it, which is good, but you were just wrong. Like with the Broncos being seven and one, you were just wrong. There was no new information. I'm it was totally just wrong on the, on the bad Broncos. analysis. I didn't, I had yeah. no uh, understanding that they would get worse from the, from the first game on. Like yet my expectation was that they would improve upon that, that their first game would be kind of a launching pad as opposed to being probably the best all around game they played all season long. So yeah, didn't see that coming, uh, for sure. You know, sometimes my optimism gets the better. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it certainly did with the Broncos. Th- that hopeless um, romantic and James Merrillat, sometimes it gets the best of you. Yeah, I, I do think they're going to be good this year, though. So, you know, maybe it'll catch me again. I think they have a good chance of flip-flopping it, turning 5-12 and 12 into 12. And Are you becoming the John Elway lapdog media? Is that what's happening? You're like, no. every year you're, you're going to say they're great. There's nothing to suggest they're going to be anything more than – Maybe, you know, so, some improvement. But I th- did you say on Saturday, like, double-digit wins? Yeah, I think, I think they got a shot of being 12-5. and five. Wow. All of those one-score games. Good to see you, Nick Ferguson. That if, they, <laughs> if they had competent coaching, I think they win most of those one-score games. So that, that's how you can find the team that's going to 
you know, go from potentially worst to first is, hey, who lost a bunch of one-score games and vice versa, who won a bunch of one-score games? Look at the Vikings. They were 11-0. and I, I see them taking a big step backward. So I think the Broncos could be that team. I, I mean, listen, Nathaniel Hackett was the number one problem with that team a year ago, without a doubt. That you saw that in the last two weeks. Jerry Rosberg was was no genius, but the fact that he just came in, had a plan, um, they had some direction. It was it was night and day. Now you go from him to Sean Payton, a guy who look he wasn't my number one choice, but that doesn't mean he's not a really good head coach and a really good option. I think they're going to be significantly better. Okay, well let's let's talk about. The situation with the defensive coordinator. I watched. Now, we were kind of joking about Paxton Lynch. I mean, it's sad. You hate to pile on the guy. But to get benched in an XFL game after being a first-round um, NFL quarterback draft pick, is it's sad. But one of the things I was watching, though, at the end of the game, I didn't watch the whole game. I got home uh, and watched the game. After dancing my heart out at the daddy-daughter dance, James, it was phenomenal. Nice. I just, you know, it was phenomenal to dance for. I just had to teach the kids how to do, you know. Sometimes you just got to gotta be like Yoda. You got to just, you know. You know, take out your lightsaber and just slay it so everybody knows you still got it. You know, that was just me sure. on Saturday night on the dance floor. Yeah. Uh, but I came cutting home, <laughs> like, cutting the rug. It's Dante didn't even know what that meant. He's like, what does that mean, cutting a rug? Um, are you, like, installing carpet or what? So, um, no, but I, I came home. I flipped on the game because I'd seen some tweets about the XFL game, and I was keeping an eye on Wade Phillips. To see, yeah. to see if he actually still had his mojo or if, you know, some people, they get to a certain age and they just lose it. To me, he just looked, you know, maybe not as sharp as ever. He looked sharp. I couldn't tell any difference. No. Uh, looked, should we be giving him a there. look? He's the, he's the head coach of Arlington or no, Houston. Houston, the Houston Roughnecks. Houston team. Yeah. Uh, they got a win. Uh, I watched I watch that as well. I watched the postgame uh, interview with him. Sharp as attack. He can still do it. Yeah, I mean, so it's not about age; it's about energy. It's about your ability to relate to players. It's all of those kind of things. So uh, Wade still seems like the guy that can do all of that. Well, here's the interesting thing: like NFL coaches, to their own detriment, are always looking to that win. We got to win. They always John Elway's like, we got to screw screw the draft. We got we got to get to 500 if we can. And but one thing I know, coaches like to win now. Wade Phillips, I don't know if he's going to be here in five or ten years, but he can help them win now, I would believe, don't you think? Yeah, it just feels like, man, you can't continue to go down that path, can you? Bring, are you suggesting bringing Wade back as a defensive coordinator yes. again? Yes, Uh I mean, you're talking I, about I, I, Vance I Joseph and Rex Ryan. I think he's better than VJ. I don't know yeah. that he's a better defensive coordinator than Rex Ryan. Rex was a really good defensive coordinator. His first ten years as a DC and a head coach, nine out of those ten years they had a top ten defense. The only time he was out of the top ten, they were eleventh. So with the Ravens and the Jets, he was he was really really good. That's a pretty impeccable resume. So I would take Rex over uh, Wade, but I would take Wade over VJ. They, yeah, they, they had to go down that route in 2015, uh, even though they didn't want to, and that worked out pretty well. So uh, I would be fine with that. All right. So on DenverSports.com, there's an article. Uh, Nate Jackson published a New York Times best-selling author. Yes. Nate Jackson for you bringing the heavy hitters on DenverSports.com. Oh, big, time. It's big time. Quite the staff. Every once in a while, I throw one up up yeah. on there. Yeah, we're, we're um, due for one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I might come up with something soon. Uh, I was telling, by the way, I was telling people that the the Judge Show is not dead. It's just you know getting all the contracts and you know the the writers. You know, yeah, is wrong. It's in development. Yeah, it's in. That's yeah, in, like yeah. Is that what they call it? In development. Yeah. Um, it's like Seinfeld. Like like the Seinfeld show on Seinfeld was a plot uh-huh. line for like what four or five years, right? It's, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but this article's on there, 
And, you know, this, uh, shameless self-promotion aside, as Herb Brown says, on denversports.com, Nate Jackson wrote an article. I don't agree with everything in the article, but I think it is interesting. I think it's undeniable. If Rex Ryan comes in here, now, is he going to fix? That's the premise of the article is that he, as the defensive coordinator, can fix Russell Wilson. I, the things I don't agree with in the article is the premise that it's that was Ejiro Evero's job is to run his defense in a way that makes everybody better. I don't buy into that, but I buy into the article or the parts of the article that say Rex Ryan can come in. You know he's going to be brash. You know he is going to be so he's going to have so much fire in his belly, so to speak, that any time they make a play on Russell Wilson, I bet you he'll let Russell know. He'll be chirping. I think there's something to it. What about you, James? Where do you fall? Yeah, no, I think there's something to that. I, I think tapping into that competitive spirit on a daily basis uh, is good for is good for everybody. I heard Orlando talking about it. How you know, in, in training camp, when he would go against Von Miller and, and Elvis Dumerville, he's like, "Man, I don't even know if I can play in this league." And then he went out and played his first preseason game against the Cowboys. And he's like, "Oh, well, this is this is relatively easy." Like you know, getting tested by Vaughn and Elvis every day made him a much better player. And it you know, through his first few years here in Denver, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday were his uh, his hard work days in practice, and then it made the games, uh, like I say, relatively easy. So I think there's something to be said for that. Um, I, I, do I think that they have to push him every single day in practice for him to get fixed? No, I don't I don't think so. I don't think you have to have Rex Ryan in here, um, you know, chirping and talking and, um, you know, making it that kind of a scene. But I, I do think that that would, would help. I think, I think Russell Wilson is eminently fixable. I think Sean Payton, though, plays a much uh, bigger role in that than whoever the defensive coordinator is. All right, last thing. I know you're – I'm trying to figure, is this you being funny or what? With the avalanche, you keep saying, I told you so. The abs are back. All you guys that panicked, I'm telling you now, you know, I'm patting myself on the back saying, I told you so. Now, were you actually one of the panickers or no. are you, be, you being funny or are you saying, no, I had confidence in this team all along? I had confidence in this team all along. I, all these people saying, oh, they may not make the postseason. I was like, what? What are you talking about? They're going to get in, and when they get in, they're going to be the team to beat – um, it doesn't matter what their seed is. Doesn't matter if they're a wild card. Doesn't matter at all. If they get in and they're healthy, which they're trending in that direction, they're going to be the toughest out. They're going to be the team that nobody wants to uh, to go up against. So, yeah, I tried to tell everybody not to panic, not to worry. What are they? Eleven two and two in their last fifteen games, playing great hockey. Gabe is back on the ice today, um, so they're getting healthier and healthier. No, they're they're going to be fine. Everybody just needed to relax. So championship or. Uh, Championship number two, imminent in the works. They just got to get healthy, and then they'll just flip the switch like a Madden game. They're the team to beat. Well, they're not really flipping the switch because they're, they're playing really good now. Um, but I, I do think they're going to be playing their best hockey going into the postseason. Um, I don't think they're as deep and as good as they were a year ago. Um, but that uh, there should be no no excuses, uh, barring barring injuries to uh, to McKinnon, McCarr. You know, ranting to, to, to the stars, there's no excuse for not going deep into the playoffs. Well, deep into the playoffs? I don't care about going deep into the playoffs. I want a championship. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, you're, we're not going to be getting out the pitchforks if they lose in the Stanley Cup final, if they lose in the Western Conference final. But, you won't, uh, James? You won't be saying, all right, it's time for uh, some accountability for Teflon Bednar? No, absolutely not. It, 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 now, if they lose in the first round and get bounced, then, yeah, I think it's, it's time to start asking some questions and saying, hey, was last year just a fluke? Um, but I don't expect that to happen. I think they're going to go deep. Now, nobody is a bigger CU fan than you. We all that's know correct. this. But so, yes, so what's, what's the what's the over-under on you uh, rolling out the old Teflon Dion moniker? 
Oh, I don't think that's going to happen. It'll never happen. What is there to What is there to complain about with Dion? Since he rolled into town, what the last two and a half months have been? It's been nothing but good news. So. Well, I can hear you saying, like you, I can see this is how I can see it playing out, James, because this is kind of your mo. Predict some, put some ridiculous expectations on him. Say, yeah, I think they're going to win eight or nine games. It's you know he's he's recruited all this talent. He's a great coach. And then when they only win four or five because they have a monster schedule, you start calling them Teflon Dion. I don't know. Is that no? Because he'll he'll get criticized. I only get people only get the Teflon moniker when they don't get any criticism. When you're not allowed to say anything negative. When you're not allowed to ask questions. Right. That's why he's Teflon Mike. Is because Michael Malone gets a free pass. His team's one and eight in their last nine playoff games. It's all about the injuries. It's like okay, couldn't have done anything differently. Couldn't have uh, tried to go big against the Warriors. Like just do something. That's why he's Teflon Mike. If, if if the Buffs aren't very good this year, I would assume Dion will get criticism. But if he doesn't, I don't think he will. And it's clearly a coaching problem. Um, and I'm the and I feel like I'm the only one that's willing to say it. Then yeah, he could be Teflon Dion. But look, they're going to be. I'm not going to say they're going to win eight or nine games, but I think they should be a bowl team this year. They got to win six or seven, even with that schedule. I think that's fair. Okay. And then next year, next year when it expands to twelve team playoff, you got to be knocking on the door. Oh, I think so, too. Yeah, that's the expectation. I did find it interesting that they're now charging for the spring game. I thought that was a bit much considering they're... Yeah, but it's a nominal amount. And you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I actually think it's a good thing. I think it's a sign that, hey, we're going to be like the big boys. We're gonna we're, we're gonna charge for a spring game. It's gonna be a huge crowd. It's gonna be a ton of fun up there. Um, the excitement is uh, is through the roof. I don't remember uh, the excitement for a CU season being this high since probably what the early nineties, oh, maybe yeah. that ninety four team. Yes, no, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy. All right, James Maryland from DenverSports dot com. The the um, opinionated, the mercurial, the uh, affluent. No, not the affluent. No, no. The, mercurial may be the best one of the bunch. Mercurial James Maryland. Thank you so much for joining us here on President's Day. All right. See you, Dan. All right. Everybody's chance to react. Coming up next. Happy President's Day, Denver. Sitting in today for Stokely and Zach. Here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Well, it looks like I have to be a voice of optimism here. Go to this te- RamosLaw.com text line text. So sounds like Broncos predictions from last spring. Let's see what actually happens. My take, buffs fall in their face and finger pointing of players at coaches gets fast and furious and everyone blames Boulder. You can fill in the blanks. Well, that's a kind of negative. It's a t- Hope Springs eternal right now, texter. By the way, I do appreciate you texting in. But let's just be optimistic. It could be. It could get dicey when you when you're bringing in. Uh, now now they're trying. It's one. Th- it's a weird dynamic, right? Because Deion Sanders is selling himself as brash, Coach Prime likes to talk, like has a good time. He's funny. He's doing all out, all sorts of outrageous things. But then on the flip side, we see his his speeches and Coach Brewster's speeches go viral. Videos of those going viral about how tough they're going to be on players. I think they want to fashion themselves like my old Miami Hurricanes used to do. They brought in they brought in a ton of talent. A lot of it was just athletic talent. Like they, they would just they called it. They recruited the state of Miami, which was you know they just recruited Florida, where there's all that talent. And some of them, like Ed Reed, for example, became a Hall of Fame safety. They didn't even know what he was going to play. They just brought him in, and they talent was so deep that there was just intense competition, and the cream would rise to the top. But they, they were tough physically as far as practices and things like that. Like, the coaching was tough. There wasn't a lot of 
excuses. Now, they were allowed to show out on the field. They were allowed to be, you know, people remember when they came here to Boulder back in, what was that, 95 or whatever that was, and there was a big brawl during that game. But the coaching staff, if you played well, you were allowed to go out and sh- showboat a little bit. But they didn't showboat in practice. Like, they, they, they played, it was a pretty grueling, competitive atmosphere around that program. And then it became fun because they won. They won five national championships, went to eight, became a dynasty. Now, it was sad, though, because they tried to recapture that recently. They had that turnover chain, which didn't really translate to wins. So they were trying to mimic that there. I think that's the type of program, though, that Deion Sanders wants to build in Boulder. Real quick, you you weren't a fan of the turnover chain? No, I wasn't because they weren't good. I like the idea. It was a fun idea. I like... I like the innovation, but they just took it so far. Remember Florida State had a turnover backpack? I didn't ask if you liked the Florida State turnover backpack. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty. turnover chain. Um, I liked, uh, at first, I'm like, that, you know, that's cool. They it, were the originals, too. Yeah, cool. yeah, they Everyone were the originals. Um, I, at first, I didn't mind it. It went on way too long because they never were able to translate that into becoming a really good defense, really good team, and they were just disappointing. Pretty sure they led the nation in turnovers that year, and they went to the Orange Bowl. That year, three years down, I mean, the thing they finally had to get rid of it. Yeah, no, I know, it fell off. But the first yeah. year of it was awesome, I thought. Yeah, I wish, I just wish, I would have had a problem with them keeping it uh, had they become good, become back, you know, what they once were. They just didn't. And so after the first run, they, you know, they, should, they probably should have gotten rid of it. It was kind of my deal on that. <laughs> Somebody says, still mad at those beeps. Yeah, they did not. People around here did not like the Hurricanes coming into Den, Denver or Boulder and doing what the Hurricanes do. That was before your time. That was probably about two years before you were born, Dante. What year was it? Yeah, it was 95, I think. I yeah, think two years. It was 95. We'll look it up during the break. Um, all right, let's take a quick timeout. Get a lot of more of your texts rolling in. We'll get to those before the top of the hour on the Dan Jacobs Show. Happy President's Day, Denver. Sitting in today for Stokely and Zach. Here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. All right, trip down memory lane. Texter says, didn't they hold back that Miami CU game because of the nastiness at Folsom? It would have been bad if they played a year later. There was a brawl. Like I said, my recollection, I was a little bit young at the time, too. Um... Because it was actually 1993, so I guess I would have been a sophomore. But Miami was number three in the country. CU was number 13. Yeah, the, the, the folks around here didn't take kindly to the Hurricanes coming in and, you know, putting the hammer down. And so there was a little bit of a, you know, a brawl or brouhaha before, I believe, before the game. Uh, Buffs did try and come back and make a game of it, but they lost 35-29. to 29. You know, it's the Hurricanes. Listen, at their best, CU is never going to beat Miami at their best. Okay, when, when the Hurricanes are rolling, they're the best in college football. That's just the way it is. There's just, you know, there's there's a, there's a pecking order. <laughs> so there you go. Um, somebody says, oh, this is Brian. Yes, he's, a, he's our resident historian around here. He says, Dan, the brawl with Miami and Boulder was in 1993. Oh, this is uh, clever. It says, Dan, Prime sounds like Russell Wilson's charity. You're going to get 24% return on a uh, 
on every dollar. He didn't say that. He said something else, but uh, it is what it is. Whenever Coach Prime comes up, CSU fan gets jealous and negative. They'd be over the moon for Coach Prime to be at CSU. Even if this doesn't work out, it'll at least be fun to watch, which is way better than it's been. CSU fan has been nothing um, exciting to watch or look forward to. They really haven't since since Sonny Lubick was fired, which was just kind of a travesty. It's just been a kind of a, a, a bunch of, I hope Norvell gets him going. Right? Somebody brings up The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, new owner of the XFL, was in that game. Yeah, he just never really played much at Miami. He was always hurt and just never really worked for him. But he, he did, he's done okay. He's done okay. Yep, those are those are the times, man. That was uh, like with college football now, I'm just really struggling. I think Miami, I'm a Miami fan, so I think I'm sticking around just because I think Miami's actually going to be really, really good. I like what they got going on there. In this, I, I think they're going to be one of the haves versus the have-nots in the NIL era. But for me, when they just open the floodgates and just let all the money in, I think within five years, most people are not going to want to watch college football. Because unless you're an Alabama fan or a Georgia fan or a Iowa State fan, hopefully a Miami fan, maybe a Michigan fan, like there's going to be 15, you know, 15 maybe programs, 15 or 20, because they're going to expand the playoffs. So there, there will be teams that will have a hope to make the playoff. That's how it's always been. No, not, no, not at all. It used to be you watch college football when CSU was good. Before your time, I think they actually beat Ohio State in a bowl game. I know they played Ohio State in a bowl game. They may have won it. But when CSU was good and you thought, all right, there's a shot to be in the top 20, you you liked them even though you knew they weren't going to win a national championship. Football can still be like that. I root for ASU every year, and I just root for, you know, a good season, like, fingers crossed, Rose Bowl. Yeah. What do they call that? Willful blindness? (laughs) Right, like, like as an ASU fan, I respect it. I like that, but ASU's never been a threat to do anything. Now, that's depend- what I'm saying. I root for them to get to the Rose Bowl, well, so, not to win a national championship. Right. So five years from now, when there's a super conference and ASU's not in it, what are you going to root for? I mean, I think I still would root for that. I've, I just feel like you saying there's you know 15 teams that can win a national title. That's what it's been for the last 40 years. Yeah, but I don't. I. I I don't think it's all about the national title. Before, it used to be more about th- there would be rivalry games. There would be certain certain things. There, there was this, this certain pageantry of college football, which I think is, is going by the wayside more than anything. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm all for that. It's not about the national. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not about the national title. It's about, you know, when we play USC, for example, or when we play Oregon. Like, those are still fun games. But, so, and but I, I when USC and Oregon, when, when, all, when all the teams are – combined into one super conference, like all the teams are leaving, they're leaving now and they're leaving the bad teams behind. So when ASU is going to be stuck as an also ran in some bummy conference, what are you really going to root for? Nothing. Well, the Pac-12 is still going to be the Pac-12. We're just losing USC and UCLA. Well, that's the kind of big deal. I know. And Oregon's going to leave. Oregon will leave. You said Oregon's leaving. I said it. All right. Well, I mean, we'll wait for Oregon. They're going to leave. Why would they stick around? Like, to me, it's smart. To me, if you're a major team, especially with an expanded playoff, I think it would be smart to stick around. Like, don't go. It only hurts you. Other than you get more dollars, it hurts you to go to these big conferences. When the SEC has 
10 ridiculously good teams, it takes the shine out. Like, like, like all the teams are going to have, even the best teams in the SEC are going to have two or three losses. I'd rather be that Oregon out in the Pac-12 if you got a CU that's relevant and a Utah that's relevant and maybe another team that are actually pretty decent, but you have a shot to just win that conference every year. That's better. But look at the Big 12. What is the Big 12 going to have left? They have the same thing. They have a playoff on on the line. They got a bunch of they were just, eh, they teams. Were literally just in the national t- championship. Who? The Big 12. Right, with who? Who was it? Texas, TCU. Oh, okay, TCU. Yeah, and they got blown out. But they're I, still there. You're going to have a bunch of teams that nobody cares about in the Big 12, and it's like, eh. And there's not going to be, because before it was even, you know, it was always like, all right, well, we may not, you know, like, like CU, for example, was always in the, you know, they always won the South, and then every once in a while they had that one shot, and that one year they beat Texas. Okay, Hope Springs Eternal. But there's a bunch of good games that kept you interested in between. I just, I, I think they're, they're losing it. As the, it becomes more and more condensed, it gets becomes harder and harder, and you're also seeing other teams, not necessarily in football. Well, we saw one football team go away. I think it was like one of the Alabama teams, but it's getting harder and harder as the interest gets less and less. Like like right now, when I went to a UNC football game, you have to ask the question. I know we got to go to the the top of the hour here. You have to ask the question: Why do you even have football anymore? Like UNC, they are so non-competitive. The, the attendance is so low. The student body, from what I can tell, really doesn't care at all about the football team. Do we even need college sports anymore for almost the majority of the campuses in America? I mean, I think it's a legitimate question. Is it time for college sports to go to the wayside? It's a fair question for the majority of campuses. We can maybe continue that discussion as well. Somebody probably go through the entire offseason on the Dan Jacobs show on the weekends here, which is a good reminder. Go to denversports.com. Subscribe to the weekends podcast uh, so you can listen to the Dan Jacobs show on your devices whenever you want. All right, we'll hit the top of the hour. More reaction coming up next.